Man, I'm having so much fun. This is a $1.6 trillion industry. I'm talking about the food and beverage space. If you're not having fun, you're in the wrong place. Yes, it's hard work, but my gosh, the companies, the brands, the flavors, the experiences, the missions, it's fantastic. But some of the brands are different, better, and special. They're the ones who are able to really compete and vie for customer loyalty. Look, I know you want to make your brand different, better, and special. I know you yourself want to be different, better, and special. That's my mission. That's why you're here. Join me on this journey as I interview CEOs and founders from all the different companies within the food and beverage industry so we can discover what they're doing, so we can take that information back, digest it, and become better ourselves and to help our companies take on different strategies, pick the right technology, pick the right partners. And of course, you got to have great tasting food. You got to have great tasting beverages, packaged goods. If it doesn't taste good, you're lost. I'm sorry. You're going to lose millions. If you're new here, take the five episode challenge. Go back, pick out some brands and CEOs, some topics. If you love the content, subscribe. You're going to find it on every podcast platform once or twice a week. But I also publish them on LinkedIn because that's where we kind of hang out. So when you see it on LinkedIn, stop by, make a comment, share it back into your food and beverage network. I would appreciate it. The brands would appreciate it. To all my loyal listeners, thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Thank you for being with me on this journey. Thanks for coming along on this mission for the past two years. If you are considering a strategic job change, message me. Let's have a confidential conversation. If your brand is growing and you need to attract experts, you also need to contact me because I have created a different, better, and special recruiting system. I promise you, no other search firm in America is doing that. Who am I? I'm Tony Moore. I'm an expert food and beverage headhunter, semi-professional podcaster, and I'm here each and every week Stay tuned for this week's episode. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Winning at Work. It is Tony. And I have to say, one of my absolute favorite desserts is ice cream. And I was introduced uh, through Amy Stern. She's the uh, PR executive over at 3E to a, a really, a, well, I would call it an upstart brand, um, just high growth, kind of hockey stick trajectory right now. They're totally disrupting the ice cream category. It's kind of a combination of real dairy, real tropical fruit. They sent me this, in, this fantastic, uh, I call it a care package. And let me think, let me see if I can remember all the different flavors that I was sent. It, it, the timing could not have been better, guys, because I had a bunch of people over that weekend. We were all outside hiking, swimming, boating, did all these great things. And here I had this incredible care package that showed up. It was like passion fruit. There was one with mango, guava, coconut. We had pineapple, tangerine. I know I'm going to butcher this last one, guanabana. <laughs> I know I'm, I'm sure I just butchered that one. I know I did. Yeah, so, that was pretty good, Tony. So, oh, I, that's that can't be how you pronounce that, so right? I'll say it's guanabana. Guanabana. I'll say guanabana. 
uh, and you know the Muppets, the Manamana song? <laughs> That's what my wife says. Oh to my me. gosh. So I'll like, never get that out of my head Manamana. now. It's also called Soursop. So depending Sour where you Sop. are in the world, Soursop, Guanabana. If you're in India, you call it Sita Falls. Okay. So um, we all butchered the name. We were all sitting around kind of you know, <laughs> trying our favorites out. So what I have, Mike Weber, CEO, co-founder of Futero Ice Cream, and I also have Vedant Sabu. You guys, you guys met at Wharton. So how interesting is this? You guys are sitting down and getting ready to start uh, MBA class school and I hope you have good thing. This product has taken off because now you can use it to pay your, uh, your debt. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It ain't cheap. No, no. Uh, graduate school is a great business for the schools. <laughs> so, I've uh, heard so many great success stories that come out of, out of B school because it's this incubator of ideas and everyone is just a heightened sense of, you know, we, we know we want to do something special. And this product, honestly, it was really, really delicious. And I'll, I'll just say, I think for us, I think the tangerine and the coconut just like were like lit on fire. Those had this like just that perfect tropicalness and it's dairy. So I love that. So tell us just what's the origin story? How did this brand spring into life? So Vedant and I, we actually met on the first day of class at Warden. And uh, we met because we were assigned to sit next to each other. <laughs> uh, so we grew up total opposite sides of the earth. Vedant grew up in India. I grew up in, in Connecticut. But when we came to school, both of us, we wanted to start a business. Uh, and we wanted to employ ourselves uh, when we graduated. Now, we started school in 2018. And in 2019, in January, I was going to, to India, where Vedant grew up. And before I went on that trip, Vedant and I, we were actually spending every day meeting for about two months, just brainstorming different business ideas. And one of them was, Vedant had this idea, hey, in India, there is this ice cream company that makes all of this tropical fruit ice cream, or, you know, real dairy, real fruit. Uh, maybe we can bring something like that to, to the US. So when I was going to India in January of 2019, he said, you know, you have to try this this ice cream. So first day, I actually landed in Mumbai, went to the hotel, grabbed a few friends, and we went straight to the ice cream uh, after about 15 hours of traveling. And we <laughs> tried it, and it was just unbelievably good. And what was interesting was there were some flavors that I knew, Tony, like I knew what mango was. I knew coconut. But there were other flavors that I had never tried before, other fruits I had never tried before. I had not had a passion fruit. I had not had, definitely had not had a guanabana, which in, in uh, India was called soursop. But when we came back to the U.S., uh, we started talking more about it. And we said, maybe, you know, are we able to find this in stores? And we went to different stores. We couldn't find these ice, this ice cream anywhere. So we said, oh, maybe we'll start making, bring this to the U.S. And initially we thought maybe this would just be for the Indian community, right? We knew that uh, it's popular in India. Maybe it's just for the Indian community. Right. Just carry it over for this marketplace here. Yeah. Exactly. And there's 3 million you know, Indians in the U.S. Uh, so, okay, that's a market. As we started developing the flavors, and actually we started developing the flavors in Vedant's apartment with help from his mother who was in India because she was able to get the Oh, that's food. awesome, Vedant. So you've got like your kitchen is like totally destroyed. Oh, oh yes, yeah. absolutely. And we have this uh, 
$90 ice cream maker we bought from Macy's, uh, which was where we would craft the ice cream. And, and as you mentioned, Tony, the, the B-schools are incubators. They're also a collection of a very diverse set of people, including both me and Mike. There were other people from different parts of the world. And we invited all of them to our apartment to try and taste Rutero. And I think that is when we realized that it's not just an Indian product. It is much, much widely accepted globally. And, you know, people from Latin America, people from Southeast Asia, um, and there's significant number of people in the U.S. who have heritage in these places and who kind of know these foods. See, that's what's really clever about this. And again, it's one of those happy accidents because you just like the product, but ice cream in and of itself is a category. And then you've got the other category, which happens to be tropical fruit. People love the fruit. So you these are kind of like two separate categories that just, boom, came together. In fact, that's really how your PR executive found it, right? She just, Amy just absolutely loves passion fruit. And she tells the story every time I talk to her. She's like, just go ahead and buy it. You know, you see it in the store. Just see if you like it. And it was like, wow. She, to her, it actually captured the flavor of the fruit it mixed in with the, the, the dairy. So I just, kudos. I think it tastes great. And, you know, one of our big topics, we got a couple topics that we really want to kind of dive into today. Because your origin story is fascinating but we are, you know, helping to educate people within the food and beverage space. And you've got some really challenging, big, big business goals in front of you, too, to dominate in the grocery stores, which includes, of course, the freezer. And that's what we want to really kind of dive into today is try to understand life, you know, in the grocery store, competing in the grocery store. What are the different categories? What are the different sets in the in the grocery store? But then most importantly, how do you even get into the freezer? And more importantly, stay. Because as you know, it is a limited space. I mean, the outer aisles, inner aisles, there just seems to be so much space that you guys are competing in a small space. So um, kick us off. Explain this uh, kind of journey that you guys have made into grocery stores and, and, and into freezers. I think, Tony, you're absolutely right. It is uh, expanding freezer section with the grocery store requires capex, requires a lot of capital. So it can't happen anytime soon. Uh, for us, if we have to get in, somebody has to get out. But I think more broadly, it's very important to understand how grocery retailers look at their different categories. And they kind of benchmark different categories on two parameters. One is what, how intentional is the purchase for the shopper and what is the value of differentiability? How differentiated that product needs to be in that category. So let me give you an example. You are running short of milk or eggs. That's the trip driver. Strong intentionality, but low differentiability. So it's not like, you know, you need to buy the milk from Walmart and not from Whole Foods. Milk is most low differentiability, but high intentionality. So you have trip driver products. Then you have hero products, just products which are very strong. So those products, I like think of meat, 
produce which kind of are the main buyers when you when you go to a grocery store well so wait explain the hero product because it that sounds like a a product that is like a is it like a foundational product that lots of other things are kind of built around the basket is that what you mean by by, that by the is, hero yes. or do you mean or, or or do you mean it's the it's what the shopper thinks of about that particular store. Like when I go to Whole Foods, I'm just thinking natural. So I think it is probably the category which has the best element for that store. So think of it as when you go to Walmart, your biggest portion of the basket, it's a, it's a family shopper going to Walmart, right? So for them, meat and produce are big components. That's the hero product for, for Walmart. And these products have high intentionality and high differentiability. So I want to buy meat and I want to buy meat from somewhere. I want to buy alcohol and I want to buy alcohol from this place. So that's, that's kind of hero product. Think of them as the biggest portion of your basket. That's your hero. And then there are certain products like snacking or ice cream which when you leave your house you're not really thinking that oh i am gonna go and i'm gonna buy a bag of snacks but you add them in your basket yeah it's kind of like a impulse almost almost impulse uh so i think and there is a difference between ice cream and snacking the ice cream you want differentiated you want flavor you want to get inspired you know something new Snacking or candy or, 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 you know, chocolates or beverages which you buy, they are literally what we say as basket builders, right? Near the end of the aisle, you're going to put three more things in your basket. But ice cream is before. That is, that is inspiring you. You are going to go to the ice cream aisle and you're going to look at all the flavors. That's very, very interesting. And I and Mike have done a lot. Looking people when they're in the ice cream set and looking them evaluating the different flavors. Within pints, a normal store will have two or three hundred skews just of pint ice creams, right? And those 200, 300 skews have some sort of differentiation. And a consumer will put a lot of time finding what one he, wa- he or she wants, right? And to kind of understand what is, uh, which, how much calories, how much this, and so on and so forth. They really want to get inspired. And I think... That is where Frutero's differentiation plays a great role in convincing retailers that, you know, we are different, high differentiability, and we inspire people of a particular liking to tropical foods, which no other ice cream out of the 200 SKUs you have does the same job. I love that, Mike, because he's talking about competing in a category that you guys have called maybe it's it's you know known in the industry inspirational um i not heard of that before but it it does make sense and i do see people kind of wandering that aisle you know looking through if they're in there too long the door gets all frosted because they're they're, they've got it open and they're like huh they're stuck you know it's like which one do i go so um so how so how are you guys approaching these category managers, Mike? How are you uh, winning that space? Because as you said, Vedant, for you to get in, someone's got to get out. So it's 
a very competitive set. Yeah. So our, our story has really been that, look, there are a few different types of, of ice cream. We think of them as three big categories right now in pints. You have those traditional flavors, you know, that with, with full calories, right? The Ben and Jerry's, the hog nuts. You got a lot of sugar, you got a lot of fat. And the, they're not messing around, <laughs> okay? Then you have the dairy free section, right? Um, <clears throat> a lot of those customers, either they're lactose intolerant or they're really looking for a, uh, in, to be more environmentally friendly, right? Yeah. Then third, you have the low calorie segment, right? Halo Top, Rebel Ice Cream, and Lion. Now, what we've seen over the last, actually over the last year is those ca three categories, they've, they've actually declined, right? Uh, and what's happened is more brands have come into those sections. So it used to just be, you know, you have one uh, Halo Top. Now you have five different brands there. You used to have one uh, Dairy Free. Now you have six different Dairy Frees. What we brought to the category was incremental. We say this tropical fruit creamy ice cream. No one has done this before. No, no other brand is bringing this to the ice cream category. And we, what we show with data is that we're actually bringing new consumers into the ice cream aisle. So uh, what, that's what that we're talking about with that fruit. You're bringing people that may not have normally gone to ice cream. Now they're, they're getting that fruit that they want. They're getting it in the ice cream. That is right. So what we see is actually a third of our customers are people who are not shopping in the ice cream aisle at all. Okay. So they are not ice cream shoppers. We're driving them into the ice cream aisle. We also see that's very nice is that then the second third of our customers are, um, they're ice cream shoppers, but now with Frutero, they're buying an extra pint of ice cream. So that's really good to show incrementality. So that's a, a big point of a selling point to, to the retailers about it's helping them. We're also doing very well compared to uh, other brands and other segments. So if you, we only get four inches for each pint, right? It's four inches wide. So the retailers are looking at, hey, you're four inches versus the other brands four inches. Who's going to make more, more money for them? So we have to show That is just there. crazy to think of it is that hyper focus, four inches. Yeah, you could kind of think of it as, look, I think of it as like they're, they're a landlord. Right, they have real estate for rent. <laughs> you don't get evicted, right? And uh, and you know you you want to rent your apartment to the to the uh, the highest bidder, right? Fidan has the leanest apartment right now. He's in he's in Florida, and uh, during the cool months down here, uh, the rent doubles, <laughs> right? So they're looking for the highest rent. Hey, who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna make the most money? So that's really what they're looking for. Um, but just going back to that initial point of, you know, a third of our customers are coming from other categories. So what's so critically important for us is how do we get that one third of customers who are not shopping in the ice cream aisle? How do we get those people into the ice cream aisle to buy Frutero? And for us, the way we think about it is our tribe. Who is our tribe of people? And our tribe is that those consumers that Frutero is really going to resonate with. And then they're going to talk to other people and tell other people about it. Is we think that we see like brands really catch fire, not with the great marketing that that they do, but by the the customers trying the product and then telling other people. Yeah, be authentic, it. genuine, not necessarily the bought um, 
you know, influencer. It's like, okay, great. Now this week they're, they're doing, you know, handbags next week. <laughs> exactly. There's a funny story. So, uh, up until just recently, all of the, all of the calls up for Jerry used to come to the not in my cell phone. Okay. So we would pick, pick up the phone and we had a story from uh, a woman. She grew up in Trinidad and, uh, she went to the grocery store and she saw that we had a guanabana ice cream which in Trinidad they call soursop. And she she hadn't seen that since she was growing up. Uh, and she left Trinidad 20 years ago. So she bought it. She said she went into her car and tried a spoonful. And she said, oh, this brought back all those memories of my childhood. And she told a story of how she would come home from, from school with her friends and they'd pick fresh guanabanas on the way home. And her mother would make uh, milkshakes out of that guanabana. So anyways, it really resonated with her. And she said, I, I tried it in the car. I couldn't wait to get home. I went back into the store and I picked up eight more pints. Of, of <laughs> Bought it out. And she said, I took those pints and I went to uh, where, where she works. She worked in a doctor's office. And she said, I know in the doctor's office, the people who work there, they're, they're not from Trinidad. They don't have like what we call that cultural connection to the fruits. And she wanted to share it with them, right? She wanted to share that guanamina with it. Uh, and that's exactly what she did. And like that for us, that is success, right? We found that one customer that Frontera really resonates with. And then she you know, bought the product and they gave it to eight more people, right? And then if they give it to eight more people, they give it to two more people. That is really how, how a brand catches fire. And you so can't even pay for that. You just can't, you just cannot, you just cannot pay for that. There is something about those personal referrals that we all look for in our life when we want things. And even more so you get those advocates. And I think you just hit on something is that cultural connection. And um, how intentional was that, Vedan? Or is that just one of these kind of, again, happy byproducts that you're discovering exist in the tropical fruit space? I think, Tony, it was quite intentional. I think we always, the name frutero literally in Spanish means a fruit vendor. So I think sooner we realize that we are less of an ice cream company, more of a fruit company. And we also realize that the value of Frutero lies not in the fact, not in just the fact that we give the best fruit, but also these fruits are not available in great, uh, you know, in good price and good value or great quality in the U.S. otherwise, right? So when people like myself, you know, I grew up in a mango farm. When people like myself, we eat frutero mango. It is just, it is very difficult to find such good quality mangoes in the U.S. So I think that's quite intentional. We never thought it would actually resonate with a large part of the audience so beautifully as it was resonating with myself or, or our peer group in, in Warden or my. Well, tell us more about the brand because I, I can tell you I've had other people on from the fruit industry. It is That is a very challenging space. Um, there's a lot of environmental challenges that affect uh, yields. Um, I think you probably have the advantage of, of buying fruit or you know, where you source your fruit that it it doesn't have to maybe necessarily be the same exact piece that would go into the grocery store because you know grocers are extremely picky about what's consumer grade i mean 
you can have an ugly mango taste exactly like a beautiful mango, right? Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about, you know, your, your strategy around sourcing your fruit, where it comes from, any of your, uh, you know, quality slash sustainability goals as you're dealing, I'm sure, directly with some of these farmers and such. Absolutely, Tony. I think uh, it is the single most important thing for us to ensure the best fruits. Today, we get most of our fruits from Colombia. I was in Colombia in May visiting all our farmers, which are all located in different parts and regions of Colombia. Uh, except for coconut, which we get from Thailand. Uh, but most of the fruit otherwise comes from uh, comes from Colombia. Colombia is, uh, I think it is, it is the world's highest biological diversity per square kilometer. So that's an area that can produce from strawberries to coconuts, everything, old fruits. Um, a key portion of our supply chain is, is, is the following. The fruits are prepared one day after they are plugged from the trees. So, what essentially, so I visited multiple farms, and I will give you an example of the Guanabana farms I visited. Uh, so, it's probably a 14 hour drive from Medin, uh, which is where our processing partner is, is located. 15 hours from that region, there is a community of 50 farmers. Every Wednesday, na- Wednesday morning, these farmers, they go and identify the fresh guanabana or ripe guanabana, pluck it, put it in the bag, box. By 8 p.m., all the 50 farmers, they collect all of their produce together in one, uh, one truck. The truck then travels overnight, 12 hours, to the processing plant, and then it is prepared and frozen. What does this do? This basically gets the flavor of the fruit when they are ripe and perfect and preserves it unlike a produce where you would you know a, an unripe fruit would be plugged and then it'd be transported 30 exactly days. i don't think people i little but i i don't think people truly understand how unfresh yeah. the quote-unquote fresh food is. it is staggering how these um they're not processors. They're the storage facilities. Literally, they're put in, you know, six months, nine months ahead of time, right? And they're kept at a certain temperature and humidity and light so they don't ripen. And then eventually they go to the store and they start to ripen. So that is, a, I think, a, a novel way that you're, you're connecting people with that freshness. Like I said at the top, and I did not know that that's the partnership you had. That's what really stood out to me when I tasted this. To me, I thought, now that was fresh. Like I said, it was bright. It was crisp. It kind of came through, right? And I think that that's your um, your sourcing strategy to, to work with that exactly. cycle of freshness. I think this is the most important thing because Mike was mentioning certain reactions we would get from our customers. Those reactions are not possible if we do not deliver on our promise and our promises to get you the fruits, which is exactly the way. Most of people like us, we have grown in farms and, you know, throws two stones to kind of get the mangoes to 
from the tree or climb the trees. So we know the true flavor. That customer would not have thought about her time in Trinidad to Tobago if we would have not delivered on our promise that this tastes exactly like the time we used to eat fresh fruits. Um, I'm not paid to say any of this. I'm just I'm just giving you my honest take on it. But and I, um, I we still have uh, I saved some of the cartons and I went back to look at the cartons again. And at the top of the carton, if I if I'm remembering right, like half of it looked like ice cream, and then the other half was like the piece of the fruit. And it really kind of gave you that idea that the there's actual fruit in here. And I started looking at the packaging, and it was like. There's four mangoes in this. Now, don't quote me on that. I don't remember how many of each one, right? But uh, clever, Mike. Yes. Okay. So that packaging, the funny thing about that is Vidana created that. I think Vidana, it was three o'clock in the morning on a PowerPoint slide that we were sending to one another. And we are not graphic designers at all. But we had this concept that what is fruit? Just a very simple thing is it's a mixture of fruit, fruit and cream. So that that packaging was <laughs> we came up with ourselves, um, and then we worked with a designer actually in uh, in Bulgaria to to make that early on. I mean that was one of the early things that we got right was that packaging has just really resonated. But then what we've tweaked there is what are the important things for consumers to to see on the packaging and know about Frutero that really drives home that message of of real fruit uh, and freshness. And they've evolved but on the packaging. What we call out is people want to know how much fruit is inside. So that's why we say one mango inside or four passion fruits inside. Uh, and we also call out where is the fruit from? So we'll say you know, mangoes from Colombia, coconuts from Thailand. Now, actually those call outs have evolved over time and they've evolved because we talk to customers all the time. And that talking to customers has been a huge part of our strategy. Um, and just one of the changes that we did was our, our, well, our packaging and actually for how much fruit it used to say two servings of fruit uh, inside for, uh, for some of them. And that's a little more confusing and kind of gray because like, well, how much like, that's like, that's like an FDA sort of suggestion. You're telling them specifically. That's exactly right. And what's so funny now is that we get calls all the time and people say they'll, they'll essentially say what I love about Frutero is and they'll just read back kind of the marketing things on our packaging like, <laughs> it's 100% real fruit they say oh it tastes like 100% real fruit or well I can really like, taste that there are four passion well, fruits inside I'm like yeah that's exactly well, that's what. what's in there um, well guys as we as we kind of uh, begin to kind of wrap up this session I, I want to go back to some of our original ideas and topics about Getting into the grocery store, getting into that freezer, I know we've, you've touched on it. I do think you probably have some other ideas and strategies you've used. What What is working for you? You know, what is, you know, how is your ground game evolving? How are you staying in the freezer space? How are you, you know, what kind of conversations are you having with the category managers? And um, I guess, how are you using all that great data? Because apparently y'all are getting... Uh, some good data back now from Catalina's, uh, from uh, McCormick. You know, you're you're getting some data back now. Yeah, so that data has been been key, right? Because again, a third of our customers are not shopping ice cream. So, how do we find these customers? Um, there's a few things that have been that have been really interesting for us. 
Um, the first, I'll just say from a, from a digital marketing standpoint, um, we really target people that are fruit lovers. So we do ads, Facebook and Instagram. We do all, all geo-targeted around our store. So take the uh, 1100 food line stores that we're in pretty much, put a pin on those. We're going to target people in three miles around that, but we're only going to target people that have an interest in fruit. And, and, and because those are the people that this is going to resonate with. And actually in working with Catalina, we're also only targeting people that are shopping at the stores um, you know, where we have our product. Because if someone is within three miles of a food line, but they shop at Harris Teeter, well, that doesn't do any good for us. We're not, not at Harris Teeter. So we do a lot of digital, digital marketing and target those people. I, I think actually what's been very interesting, uh, particularly during COVID, has been the rise of delivery services, right? Um, Instacart um, or Fresh Direct, which is in New York. You know, this is order online and gets delivered to you. And what's different about that, I think what we've been able to find is that the merchandising for a digital experience is very, very different from a store. Right? In a store, you're you're in the frozen section, that's it. What we've been able to do is say, okay, Frutero, we know we have fruit lovers. With digital merchandising, we can put that Frutero product in the produce section, okay? So it's almost like we're putting a freezer in the produce section in the grocery store. I'll tell you oh, that's clever. It's been, it's been really an amazing return on our, on our marketing dollars. That's interesting. So, so people are like literally shopping for fruits. That's and- right. Because it's digital, right? It's not melting. <laughs> That's right. So I'll give you an example with with Fresh Direct. Uh, if you go on right now, so they're a online uh, delivery service in New York City. And if you go on their platform, you type in mango, you'll see a fresh mango right next to a pint of mango ice cream. You type in passion fruit, you'll see a fresh passion fruit right next to a pint of passion fruit ice cream. And actually, we pay to make sure that we're we're getting placed over there. So that digital market, digital merchandising has been very interesting. The other thing that we've used that, those digital capabilities to learn about what are other products that our customers are buying and then buying Futero. And I'll, I'll tell you just an example. Explain what, what that. We, yeah. So here's what we did with the Fresh Direct. So when someone types in pineapple or someone types in banana on, on Fresh Direct or really any fruit, they'll see a pint of Futero come up. Okay. So you'll type in pineapple and you'll see mango ice cream. And we saw in the data that actually we were selling just as much ice cream for people searching ice cream as for people searching pineapple. Okay. So people looking for pineapple ended up buying Futero. So we said, maybe we need to develop a flavor around pineapple. And that's actually exactly what we did with Fresh Direct. Um, And then we launched that flavor this year. That had now been very, very successful. So So that's kind of your way of getting in the white space. Exactly. Exactly. And a new one we found is banana is a lot of people searching banana end up going to buy Frutero. So we've been able to make that connection there. Uh, Well, I want to see cherries. I mean, come on, let's go. Let's get (laughs) cherries. I mean, we can throw a bunch out. Um, (laughs) Can I share the newest flavors? (laughs) Oh, boy. Let's do it. Let's do it. No, I don't. You know, you don't want to get your PR people in trouble here. (laughs) No, see, these two of them are excited about. So we found also similarly raspberry 
uh, which is, will, will actually be the first raspberry, red raspberry ice cream in the U.S. Um, and then we had to come out with a, a strawberry. <laughs> so we're launching a strawberry. Which you I had to do strawberry. You know, that's kind of what people, you know, you, you kind of need to be in that space and that all, like maybe that's the, the gateway fruit <laughs> that opens that up is, all the other ones. Am I right, Vanant? Right? Because that's what everyone thinks of. That is absolutely correct, Tony. But the problem with us was because there are so many strawberries, Frutero strawberry has to be the strawberry ice cream, right? Like it cannot be a strawberry ice cream because we are, that's our brand promise. So I think that has taken so long, but now we feel comfortable as now we found the best fruit to kind of do that. What I think is really resonating now is that you guys have figured out your North Star. You know exactly what your brand promise is. You're not confused. Right. When new ideas come in, can it, it's very, very simple now. Can we open up a supply chain with uh, long enough lead times that will give us exactly what we want? And if it's, it's not existent, then you can't have it. And I could probably foresee a time when maybe some of your brand offerings do change. Right. Depending on what is happening in the world. I mean, you just might end up in a situation like that. But I think your customers might also say, huh, well, that means they just didn't have access to the absolute freshest fruit. So then some way you might actually be building more loyalty because they see they're not just going to put anything out. I, I think you're absolutely right. Although I would say, I'll be really scared. I mean, you know, if something happens to the supply chain, I know, I know. But I mean, look, I mean, it's happened in other areas. It's so true. Now, we were really fortunate through COVID that we were able to consistently get um, the the fruits um, coming in from Colombia. But what's become so important for us is building that uh, responsive supply chain where, hey, if we have a problem in Colombia this year that, okay, next year we can switch to um, India for, for our mangoes. Right. Um, because you definitely, I mean, we definitely want to stay out of the uh, situation where, man, we're just out of fruit. But you're absolutely right. Like, we're not going to put a mango in our mango ice cream that doesn't taste like the best mango that you can taste. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Um, well, listen, I mean, there's a lot of different, uh, I, I know there's probably a lot of follow up questions that people probably have in their minds right now that I probably didn't think to ask. Is there anything that, Mike or you, Verdant, that you just wanted to, to to say that maybe I just didn't get around to asking? I think what's been very, very important for us is, you know, early on, we got the product, we identified who the customer was, and, you know, we initially put out, um, you know, that product on the shelf, but it really does not end there. And it doesn't end with just marketing the product. Feedback from the customer is critically important, being responsive to the customer and then making changes. Uh, and in grocery, you have, well, two customers. You have your consumers, the people that are actually eating the product, and you have your customers, which for, you know, for us is, is the grocery store. I think any brand, especially an emerging, emerging brand, the founders need to be in the field, speaking with their consumers and speaking with their customers. Early on for us, we made a mistake a big mistake with our customers, the, the grocery store. Um, we actually had, you know, today we make pints of ice cream. Early on, we used to make half pints of ice cream. They were smaller. And we thought initially, and speaking to 
you know, consumers that they love it because people buy Frutero kind of like how they buy fruits. They mix and match, right? You don't just buy an apple at the grocery store. You buy apples and oranges and bananas, right? So we thought half pint, half the size, half the price, you'll buy a bunch. But what we learned in getting out into the field and speaking with the, the members in the stores that are actually stocking the shelves, because we were smaller and our pack had the same amount as a full pint, they didn't know that, oh, Number one, we need to order more because these are selling selling twice as fast. So we ended up with a lot of stock out issues. You just have an empty shelf. And the other thing that we didn't realize is because we're half the size and they have to put double the amount on the shelf. It's more work for for the store. And this the employees in the store, they're very, very busy. They just didn't have time to every day. Keep restocking, up. stacking the, the house. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So they asked us, can you, can you shift the pints? Um, and we, we took that feedback and we ended up, of doing that, and what we've seen since then is actually the the units that we sold have has increased as now the price has increased. So it's not only are we selling more units than before, but obviously you know making more per per unit. And I know what we've learned from the consumer perspective is consumers said to us, "Oh, wow, I'm so happy now. It looks like you guys are three times the size of what you used to be." <laughs> so there is this consumer perception, even though we doubled in size, consumers didn't realize that it was. It was done. They thought we were getting much, much, much larger. Uh, we would not have learned that unless we were speaking to customers constantly. And I think it, that's so important for, for founders. And what we do is we take every effort to make sure we're getting, we're, we're promoting customers to talk to us. So actually, we have a, kind of a campaign right now. When you take off the lid of a new pint, there's a heat seal that goes across. And we have a promotion right now that's a, uh, have a, I have a favorite fruit that you'd like to see as the next fruit tarot flavor. Tell us about it. And we have our phone number. We have our email address. We have our uh, social media handles, all about getting consumers to engage with us. And actually we have someone full-time who her job, she was our, our first employee who we brought on just to speak to customers because building that customer relationship is so important in terms of achieving what we talked about early on is getting customers to spread the word of mouth because that is really how a brand catches fire. I appreciate that because you just answered another follow-up question I had. Guys, this has been fantastic. Um, So much great insight into how you're winning and competing and just kind of the feedback you're getting. And now it's, you know, you just have to go out and keep executing and and keep your distribution partners happy. I noticed, um, well, maybe it's just kind of a, my final question is, uh, I know I was looking at the distributors. It looked like you had a couple of different distribution partners or I couldn't really tell. It was like one was like distribution by Mike, distribution by Frutera. Is there anything going on there with the distribution? I kind of picked up on something. I was like, wait a minute. Are these guys <laughs> so, doing their own distribution? I couldn't figure that out. Okay, so here's here's what happened. I was in French. Bad. I would start a company. Just go do it. When you have the idea, don't spend a lot of time in your apartment trying to make things perfect. Just go do it. So our just go do it was we knew we needed to set up something legally with the business, but we didn't have a need. Okay. So Vidant said, Mike, why don't you just go just go set it up and fill it as Mike Natural Foods. Okay. Right. That's what yeah, I was like, that's funny. That's like his first name. So the business was just Mike Natural Foods because at the time we didn't know what the business was gonna be called. So we operated for, for a year under Mike Natural Foods, and then we got the real name, and then actually we were going to raise money, and we said, we need to really become a real company. Let's change the name to Frutero Natural Foods, Inc. That's what we are today. 
but you see a lot of this legacy stuff online of you'll still see Mike Natural Foods. And I think that funny. has also been a, a challenge for us because we, over the years, and speaking to our customers, we've really learned that customers really want to make sure we have the cleanest label possible. Right. So we've taken out a lot of ingredients. I'll tell you, when we started, we used to have corn syrup in the, in the product. We took that out. That was only there for a few months when we, when we just got off the ground. Um, but that stuff is, is still on the ground. Right. So now we work very hard to clean up some Scrub of those. Scrub it. Early. Get rid of that stuff. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it's important just to get started. Just go out and do it. Uh, oh, I listen. I'm all about it. that. Act, learn, adjust. Just go and do it and get started. And you guys have. It's fantastic. What's the um, what's the best way for people to go out and find you? Do you guys have like a store locator on, on the main website? What's the best way for people to get out there and try some of these uh, passion fruit ice creams? Absolutely. So Not passion fruit, tropical fruit, tropical fruit ice cream. Oh, yeah. Especially the coconut, which is my favorite, and the pineapple, which is the new one. But um, the easiest way to find it, so if you just type in Frutero on Google, F-R-U-T-E-R-O, um, our website will pop up, which is FruteroIceCream.com. And um, folks can find our store locator. We're in Whole Foods, Food Lion, Acme, Safeway, Albertsons, Vaughn's, Pavilions, Giant, Stop and Shop, ShopRite. Uh, and hopefully many, many more very soon. That is awesome. Well, guys, I have thoroughly enjoyed learning about the brand, your backstory, and just the kind of exciting and kind of passion that you guys are are, are, are bringing to this category because it's, again, it's fun to see a, a new brand out there disrupting. So thank you guys so much for being here today. Tony, thank you thank so you much. Tony. It was a lot of fun.